And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Psalm 78, verse 41. Read this aloud and loudly with me. Here we go. Everybody, use your best voice. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Let's do it one more time. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. I hope as we've been going through these series of messages that you've been making it a prayer point to say, Oh God, I don't want to limit what you want to do in my life. And yet I want to talk to you today about one of the things that does limit what God wants to do in our life, and it's called fear. And the three biggest fears that most of us wrestle with, number one, is the fear of the unknown and the fear of taking risk. Number two is the fear of failure. And number three is the fear of change, that fear of getting out of our comfort zone. Now, there are a whole lot of people in this world that fear not having our needs supplied. We fear being uncomfortable. We don't like to be stretched. But as somebody once said, if you're not being stretched, if you're not living on the edge, then you're taking up too much space. Come on, think about that. If you're not being stretched, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space and you'll probably limit what God wants to do in your life. Some people, some people get up every morning Go to work, come home, watch television, go to sleep, get up the next morning, go to work, come home, watch television, go to sleep, get up the next morning, go to work, watch television, go to sleep. And all the time they're praying, saying, oh God, we're miserable, we're depressed, oh God, change something, oh God, help us in some way. But they keep getting up, going to work, coming home watching television, going to bed, getting up over and over and over. Somebody said the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Folks, life is more than just getting by. Life is more than just barely etching out an existence. God wants you to have a purpose. He wants you to have a purpose that gets you up in the morning. That makes you take a deep breath and say, wow, God, this is a wonderful day. He wants you to have a a spring in your step and a glow in your eye. God wants you to have one of his purposes. See, the thing that gets me up in the morning is people. Turn to somebody and say, he said people. I've had, I've had numerous people over the years, and I've pastored now for well over 30 years, and I've had a lot of people over the years come to me and say, how in the world do you do what you do? Because you're always having to work with people. I love God. It's just people I can't stand. And I'll tell you what my answer is. God loves people. Jesus died for people. Oh, to be in heaven with the people I know. That would be glory. But to live below with some of those people, that's a different story. Come on. God loves people, even difficult people. God loves people that are addicted to substance. God loves people that are into sin and wickedness. God loves people. 
And folks, I get up every morning with this prayer, God, I thank you that this day we're going to plunder hell and we're going to populate heaven. Lord, I thank you that today we're raising up fully devoted followers of Christ who will be loved with skin on for a hurting world. God, I thank you that everybody today, my prayers, everybody in this world will connect with God through Christ by the shed blood of, 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 of Christ on the cross and will trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. My prayer, God, is I want everybody to grow in the knowledge of Christ. I want every person to serve God's purposes in our generation. That's what it says in Acts 13 verse 36 about King David. It says he served the purposes of God in his own generation. See, I get excited. I get excited when I, I did you, did you see this thir- this 37 folks that are, we're getting ready to send to this youth camp. I get excited about you guys. Gets me up in the morning. Keeps me up at night sometimes too. <laughs> Glory to God. I get excited. I, I think about the 11 members of our congregation that went with Pastor Zach to, and Ronald Gray to Guatemala last month. You saw the stove that they, they helped to, to build and, and, and purchase for this dear widow woman. And, you know, there were people that were healed. There were people that came to Christ because of their ministry. You know, it just thrills me. I think about Millie Rudd, who's in the Dominican Republic today. She's spending the summer in the Dominican Republic because she wants to serve. And she's doing that through Engage My Life, which is a ministry of the Assemblies of God. I, I, I get excited about Dr. Tanya Krastanova, who, who's in Bulgaria today. She'll be, she'll be coming back in September, I understand, right? I get excited because she's serving the purposes of God. I, I get excited about Rich Philman. Teresa, he'll be home in what? Oh, 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 he's, he's live streaming. Hey, Rich, how you doing, buddy? He's in the Ukraine this morning. I'm excited about what he's doing, ministering to children. I think about Brother Bruce McDonald who, 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 who goes to North Africa and all over this earth. He's broadcasting. He does a television program that's seen across North Africa and into the Middle East. And that area of country is 98% Muslim. Thank God that he's giving a gospel witness. Thank God for Becky and Bruce. Can you say amen? Man, I think about Bethany Moore, who surprised us two weeks ago, showed up in service. She's a long-time, long-term missionary to Istanbul, Turkey. Thank God for what she's doing. Thank God for Chevdet and Sandy Istimur. Where are Chevdet and Sandy this morning? I, I, nursery. I knew I'd seen them this morning. Am I right? Bill and Mary, correct me. Are they... Getting ready to move to Houston? I knew it was kind of on the, on the agenda. Are they, when are they leaving? The 31st of this month? Wow. I know your hearts are breaking over there, but, but, but I want you to just get some eternal perspective for a minute with me. Folks, there are more Turkish speaking people in the United States in the Houston, Texas area than any place, any place in the U.S. And Chevdet and Sandy are going to go there and they're going to plant a church to reach Turkish-speaking people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you know God is visiting the Islamic world with signs and wonders and dreams? Many, many people are dreaming. Jesus appears to them in their dreams and says, 
I am the Messiah. I am God. And they're coming to faith in Christ. And, and Sandy and Chevdad have been on the, on the forefront of that in Turkey. And now they're getting ready to do that in Texas. And, and I know this is hard for you, Bill and Mary, to send your kids away again, and especially all these precious grandkids. But I want you to know you're going to be together for all eternity. And there's going to be much, much fruit because God's concerned about the Islamic world. Most, 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 Islamic people are not radical terrorists. There are a few radical terrorists, okay, and there are terrorist cells out there. Well, there are some Christians that go around, or they say they're Christians, and they go around blowing up abortion clinics, but I don't identify with them. I don't think you do either. Okay? And so, so there's a lot of the people in Islam that don't identify with these radical terrorists. But let me tell you something. The only hope to change the heart of a radical Islamic terrorist is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You can, you can arrest a person for their crimes. You can put them behind bars. They can sit for, for years behind bars, but that doesn't mean they're going to come out changed. Only the gospel can change a heart. Only the gospel can change a man or a woman from the inside out. Tell you, it gets me up in the morning. I think about Brother Ronald Gray, who's a, who's a son of this church. This, just this spring, Brother Ronald has ministered in Poland, the Ukraine, India, and Central America, and led our team to Guatemala. Hallelujah. I think about so many of you, and I, and there, I, I, I could keep on going. But I think about so many of you that are serving, you know, over 120 of you are serving actively right now in a ministry right here at Evangel. Others of you are ministering here in the area. Folks, some, some people say, well, pastor, if I step out and do something risky, I might die. Well, what's worse, to step out and do something risky and die or to experience a slow death of depression and misery doing the same thing over and over and over again. John, 1 John 4.18 says, read this aloud and loudly with me. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Huh. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Huh. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. That, that phrase, that compound word, perfect love, doesn't, it's not talking about sinless perfection. It's saying, well, I can't be perfect. No, it's not expecting you to be perfect. God is the one who's perfect. And God loves you perfectly. And God wants you to know that you know that you know that you know that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and that God Almighty loves you and that Jesus died for you and that he suffered for you and he was resurrected for you and he's coming back again and he sent the precious Holy Spirit and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And nothing can separate you from the love of God except your own stinking thinking. You say, well, pastor, I just don't know. The world seems to be getting worse and worse, and there are problems here and problems there. And folks, we may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And the one who holds the future says, I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord. 
I don't know about the plans that are, are, are going to take place for the ungodly, but I'm talking about the godly now. He says, I know the plans I've got for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Everybody say, I got a future and I got a hope. You know, there's some people that they think, well, if I get real serious with God, if I really dedicate everything to him, he might call me to be a missionary. He might call me to go to deepest, darkest Africa. A number of years ago, a fellow named Scott Wesley Brown wrote a song called, Lord, please don't send me to Africa. We're going to put the words up here. Oh, Lord, I'm your willing servant. You know that I have been for years. I'm here in this pew every Sunday and Wednesday. I've stained it with many a tear. I've given you years of my service. I've always given my best. And I've never asked you for anything much. So, Lord, I deserve this request. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man. I'm not a Tarzan. I don't like lions, gorillas, or snakes. I'll serve you here in suburbia in my comfortable middle-class life. But please don't send me out into the bush where the natives are restless at night. I'll see that the money is gathered. I'll see that the money is sent. I'll wash and stack the communion cups. I'll tithe 11%. I'll volunteer for the nursery. I'll go on the youth group retreat. I'll usher, I'll deacon, I'll go door to door. Just let me keep warming this seat. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man, I'm not a Tarzan. Don't like lions, gorillas, or snakes. I'll serve you here in suburbia in my comfortable middle class life. But please don't send me to the ends of the earth where the natives are restless at night. If God calls you to Africa, nothing will thrill you more than to be in the center of God's will. Psalms 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean God's going to take a carnal, ungodly desire and start fulfilling it. But it means that as you delight yourself in the Lord. See, one of the reasons it's important that you participate in worship. One of the reasons it's important, and and Josh, I so much appreciate you pulling the worship out of us. I so much appreciate your leadership. One of the reasons it's so important that you participate is because it is a way to delight yourself in the Lord. It's It's a way for you to say, Jesus, I am yours and you are mine and I trust you and I thank you. And as you delight yourself in God, let me tell you something. He begins to rearrange your heart. He begins to change you from the inside out. He begins to put his desires down inside you. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 7, I want us to read about some guys that took a risk. 2 Kings chapter 7, Samaria, the city of Samaria, the capital of Israel. Remember, uh, Jerusalem's the capital of Judah, 
But Israel is now a divided nation, so the capital of Israel is Samaria. And they're under siege because they're surrounded by the Samaritan armies. There are, there, are, there, are, there are Samaritan tents and forces as far as you can see. And the whole goal of the siege is they're going to surround the people and surround the city until they don't have any more food left to eat. And so there's a famine in the land. Things are really bad. Let's read this together starting at verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the, at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go, I mean twilight, the sun setting, okay, to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Verse 6, I love this. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Let me just stop right there. Some of you may have your backs against the wall. Some of you may be facing problems and difficulties and you're thinking, Oh my Lord, what in the world are we going to do? I'm telling you, many times just before your greatest breakthrough. Things will seem the darkest. Things will seem the most difficult. But God is at work and God caused the Syrian army to hear. What did he hear? They thought they were hearing the armies of Egypt and the Hittites coming upon them. What they were actually hearing were the armies of heaven. And I'm telling you, God will get the armies of heaven working on your behalf. So don't you be discouraged today. Verse 7, therefore they arose and fled at twilight, and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Can you see this? Suddenly, tens of thousands of, Assy of Syrian troops, this is the same Syria that is it where, where ISIS is at work in today, tens of thousands of troops are now running barefoot across the desert it's twilight they're not on their camels they're not on their horses not on their donkeys they don't take anything with them they are scared to death verse 8 and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and they went and hid them then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it then they said to one another we are not doing right this day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment is going to come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Now, folks, again, I want you to see this city of Samaria. It is surrounded by Syrian troops. There's a severe famine in the land. The famine is so bad, and you can go back and read this in Second Kings chapter 6, that they are people are eating dung. Some people have even gone into cannibalism. Again, you can go back and read it in the Scripture. That's how bad the famine was. And these four lepers ask a very, very powerful question. It's a question that you and I need to ask ourselves from time to time. Again, verse 3. Can we go back to verse 3 there? there were, uh, it says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Here's the question. Why are we sitting here 
until we die. I ask you, why do you continue to do what you do, hoping for different results? I'm trying. Why? Why? Why do we sit here until we die? See, if anybody was in a catch-22 position, in other words, if anybody was in a no-win position, it was these four lepers. I mean, they were, they were disesteemed. They weren't even supposed to be around anybody that was in normal society. So they've been put to the, they're, they're outcast because they're lepers and they're starving to death. And they say, if we go into the city, we're going to starve. If we stay where we are, we're going to starve. If we go to the Syrians, they'll probably kill us. But why are we just going to sit here until we die? They did the one thing where they had a little bit of hope. And they get into that Syrian camp and they're looking around and they say, Fellas, I smell barbecue, but I don't see anybody. I smell Colonel Sanders has been around here, but I don't see anybody. And they, and they go into, to one tent and they're amazed it's empty and the horses and donkeys are standing outside the tent and there's gold and there's silver and there's, 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 there's meat cooking. So they eat and oh, it's good and they eat some more and they go into this tent and that tent and they get all this gold and silver. I mean, these guys have been in, living in abject poverty one minute and the next minute they're the richest guys around. And they say, hey, this is not right. We need to go tell everybody what's going on. They took a risk and they became heroes overnight. Folks, everybody in Samaria, when they learn what's going on, there's a mob stampede and they stampede the gate and they run to get some food. And there was great victory in Israel, but victory came. And I want you to please hear this. Victory came because four lepers who were the off-scouring of society, who nobody cared about. There were four lepers who said, why are we going to sit here until we die? They said, we're not going to let fear rule our lives. We're going to do something about it. Another fear that we all have to face is the fear of failure. See, the fear of failure can keep you from stepping out and doing what God tells you to do. And again, don't ever forget God has good plans for you. Plans for good and not for evil. But the old devil will tell you, say, if you step out and do what God tells you to do, then, boy, things are not going to go well for you at all. And here's the problem. We limit God by giving place to fear. Anytime you step out to do something, chances are you're going to make a mistake. I'll tell these guys over here. Anytime you step out to do something you've never done, chances are you're going to make a mistake. Folks, I have made lots and lots of mistakes. One of the things that liberated me, one of the things that helped me, I was many years ago, I was at a conference, and Oral Roberts, he's deceased and with the Lord now, but Oral Roberts got up and spoke about overcoming mistakes. And he says, I have made enough mistakes to sink a battleship. And most of us can identify with that. I have too. But it was a revelation for me the day that I realized that when Terrell Todd makes a mistake, God still on the throne. So you may make a mistake. You may not do everything just right. But don't let fear of failure keep you from going forward. Hallelujah. 
I've had some people who are such perfectionists. I've had them tell me, say, say Pastor, I, uh, you know, you, you probably don't know this, but there, there's a problem in your church. And I say, oh, there is. That's amazing. Yeah, Pastor, this is going on and that's going on. I said, hmm. I said, did you know that for every one problem you can tell me about, I can identify 50 problems. But when you're working with people, people aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. We're just redeemed. We're, we're not in heaven yet. We're on our way to heaven. We're not all together like Christ, but we're, we are, we are the, the, the body of Christ. And every day we're trying to get more like Him. I've had some people say, well, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find the perfect church. I just smile real big. I say, well, congratulations. Be mindful of this. When you get there, it won't be perfect anymore. You're going to mess it up. <laughs> Two summers ago, we, we uh, renovated the, the fellowship hall downstairs, and we gave it a new name. We called it the cafe. And I think most of you would, would agree with me today. It is beautiful down there. We had to do it. We had to put the adult classes down there. We had to enlarge the classrooms. And honestly, we needed to get the adult classes away from the nursery and away from the children's. It was a security issue. And, and it cost us a, we did a lot of the labor. How many of you remember? We asked you to bring your hammers to church. And after church on, on, on a, I think it was in April, a, a year ago, uh, man, we started knocking down walls and pulling up carpet and we planned to have it done in three months. So here, the, so, so, so it starts. At the, it's in the end of April, 1st of May, and the, our church board gave Kathy and I a four-week sabbatical. We'd never had that in all our years of pastoring. Gave us a four-week sabbatical, and we're just so, so grateful for it. And so Kathy and I were traveling, and we were going to end that sabbatical in England. And when we got back, the cafe was to be completed. It's only one problem. When we got back, work had start, stopped about the time we left. It was a permitting issue. When you do things, sometimes you're going to make mistakes. You may not do everything perfect. We've been raising money. It was $125,000 to do the renovation with us doing a lot of our work. And Brother David Mast and his crew did, did, a, did, did a whole lot of the work down there. And it is beautiful. I mean, wouldn't you agree with me it's beautiful? Yeah. I mean, we had 30 pastors down there last month. For a meeting. And I had several of those pastors coming up and say, can, can I bring my congregation over here and use your, your cafe? They were kidding about that, but it's just that beautiful. Well, we got back and it wasn't finished. It, we didn't dedicate the cafe until it was either September or October of that year. And, and I had somebody, when we were downstairs, we were dedicating. Somebody rushed up to me and they said, Terrell, are, are, are you disappointed that, 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 that the cafeteria wasn't finished, that the cafe wasn't finished when you got back in town? And I looked at it and I said, I want you to know something. I'm not disappointed in the least. I'm thrilled that the project is now complete and that we paid for it. See, you gave generously and then we used a little bit from our line of credit. And I said, I said, just, just stop and think with me just for a minute. Now, Kathy and I have pastored here now for 15 years. In September, it will be 15 years. During this time, we have renovated every square inch of this facility on the inside. Now, we're still working on the outside. But we've renovated every square inch, over 40,000 square feet. And 
It has cost several million dollars to do it. I said, since we came, we paid off the mortgage through the glory of God. $600,000 mortgage, you paid it off. Then you paid for the renovations in this room and in every other room. We spent several million dollars doing that. And we simply owe $150,000 on a line of credit. I said, I'm as excited and ecstatic as a man can get. I'm excited. Hallelujah. What I'm saying to you, folks, you may shoot for the stars and only hit the moon, but you're still better off than most people. Don't you fail to shoot for the stars. Glory to God. Let me, let me just kind of close this. Uh, Josh, come on to the keyboard, will you? Matthew 25. Jesus tells a story about a king who went on a trip. And before he went on this journey, he gathered three of his subjects to him. And he said, guys, I'm getting ready to travel, but I'm going to give you some money. And I want you to invest this money. And when I get back, I want there to be a profit. And he gave to one man five bags of silver. And to another man, he gave him two bags of silver. And to another, one bag of silver. And you'll remember the story. The guy that had, had, had the five bags of silver, I don't know what he did. Maybe, maybe he went out and bought a flock of sheep with it. And he sheared the, the sheep and he took their wool and dyed it. And maybe he sold it at the commodities market. I don't know what he did. But he doubled the money. And the one that had two bags of silver, maybe he went out and bought a field. And maybe he started producing crops and he would take those crops and sell them and he eventually doubled the king's money so he had four bags instead of two bags but there was one fellow that received one bag of silver and that fellow let's look at at matthew 25 there you go then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said master i knew you were a harsh man Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Now look at verse 25. I was afraid I would lose your money. Look what he says about the the master there in verse 24 where it starts. He says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. See, here's the problem. Some people view God as a harsh God. God, if if I trust you, if I try to step out and do something, you might just wipe me out. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Why didn't you put it in the bank? I know there's only 0.5% interest, okay? But why didn't you put it in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. How do you view God today? He says, I knew that you were a harsh man. Some people view God as a harsh God. Let me tell you, Psalms 119, 165 says, For the Lord is good and the Lord does good. I said, Psalms 119, 165, tell these folks, says the Lord is good and the Lord is good. He is good and He does good. 
He says, I know the plans that I've got for you, plans for good and not for evil. Don't let fear hold you back. About seven or eight years ago, Christmas, Kathy and I read this, this story in Matthew 25. We said, let's try something. For Christmas, we gave each of our three daughters, and I think, and those, I, I know Catherine was married. Terry, were you married back when we did this? Were you and Paul married? You were still single. We gave them all $100. You remember that? Paul says he's not remembering. He would remember that. They were dating. The youngest daughter, Kristen, she had been going to the University of North Florida and then she went to cosmetology school to be a cosmetologist. They fly in rockets, I think, but kind of kidding. We gave the girls $100 and so we said, girls, we're going to have some fun with this. For the next year, we want you to invest this money. And whoever comes back next December and has made the most money with their $100, they're going to get an additional $100. Catherine got online and began buying and selling and trading and doing this, that, and the other. And I don't, Terry made a bunch of money. I can't remember exactly. Oh, Terry sold t-shirts. She, she had t-shirts printed and sold them. Forgot that. You know what our, our youngest daughter who cuts hair? She went to a printer and she had cards printed up and said, had her name, said, we'll cut your hair, gave, gave the name of the salon she was working out of. And she, she said, special discounts for college sorority girls. And so then she went to the sororities here at the local university and she gave out her cards everywhere. Do you know that she made four and five and six times more than any of the other girls? <laughs> she made it. Guys, what Jesus is saying here is don't take your, your, your silver, your one bag of silver. You say, I don't even have a bag of silver, but you do. You've got Christ in you who's the hope of glory. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells inside you. Now unto him, Ephesians chapter 3, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the Christ in you, the hope of glory, doesn't want you to live a life of misery and depression. The Christ in you, the hope of glory, wants you to be sold out to Jesus Christ. But he wants you to be able to take a stand and say, you foul, afflicting, tormenting spirit of fear. You may have come against me one way and two ways and three ways and four ways, but you're going to flee seven ways in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You say, well, pastor, I pray and I try to stand against it and I still battle this fear. Well, sometimes hear this, you have to do it afraid. There are times that you've got to go forward in life with your knees knocking and with sweat running down the, the back of your, of, of your spine. Sometimes you gotta, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be out of your comfort zone. It's because your comfort zone needs to be stretched. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. You'd say today, Terrell, I find myself wrestling. I wrestle with this spirit of fear. 
I want to take risk. I think about taking risks, but something pulls me back. This fear kind of pulls me back. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. I'm just going to ask you just to stand and come and come right down here. And we're just going to pray together. You say, Terrell, I, I just want to be set free of this spirit of fear today in Jesus' name. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. We've not received a spirit of fear, but we've received, according to Romans 8, verse 15, the spirit of adoption. That's it. Come on, there are more of you that need to respond to this. Pastor, I just, I'm serious. I don't care who knows. I just want to get set free of this thing. I want to identify it. I want to identify it. I want it out of my life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there are a few more of you that need to respond today. Pastor, I really want to get rid of this thing. See, there's, there's, there's part of the battle is just recognizing that you got it, that you need help. And admitting it and confessing it. I, I, I got to have help with this thing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving, nobody talking. Maybe that you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. It may be that if you died tonight, you don't have the assurance in your heart that you'd wake up in heaven. If you died tonight, you don't know. You don't know where you would go. But I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven. And your name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you'll ask for God to save you. If you'll ask Him to minister to you. It may be that you're here today and you've had a relationship with the Lord, but life has happened and difficult times have come and you're not walking with the Lord like you used to. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had a financial failure. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your best friend turned against you. Maybe you've lost a son or a daughter or a wife or a husband, a mother or father. You've lost someone close to you. But I'm telling you today, God loves you. God loves you and He wants you to respond to Him today and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Maybe that you're here today and you love the Lord, but you don't have the assurance in your own heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord. You don't have the assurance in your heart that your sins are forgiven. And you can have that assurance in Jesus' mighty name. And if that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and leave it up until I see it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand. Say, I need the Lord today. I want Jesus in my life today. I want Jesus. If you've got your hand raised, just just look me in the eye and just just, just look me until we're making eye contact. Yes, 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 right here. Yes, right here. Anybody else? Today, I need the Lord. Yes, right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh, yes, right back here. Yes, 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 amen. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anyone. I don't want to miss anyone. Hallelujah. If you've just raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Either way, I'm going to ask you to come and stand right over here. I'm going to ask you to come to this far left-hand side. This far left-hand side. Pastor Zach Barnes is standing right here. He wants to meet with you. Come quickly. Come quickly. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to give you some literature that will help you. Come quickly. Come quickly. We're going to still pray about these spirits of fear as well. But come quickly. 
come quickly. I'm telling you, saints, the Bible says that heaven rejoices more over sinners and repent than over 99 righteous. Hallelujah. That's it. Come. Come, guys. Come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You say, I've never done this before. We're not asking you to join this church. We are asking you to join the family of God. We're asking you to join the family of the redeemed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just just, just let them into that circle right over there. We're going to pray one prayer. We're going to pray one prayer, but just before we do, is there anybody else who wants to be a part of this? You said, I, I didn't raise my hand, but I, but, I, but I should have. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Okay, let's pray this prayer. And I want everybody to participate out loud. Come on, let's pray this prayer together loud and loudly. Lord God, today I come to you and I trust the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all of my sin. I need a Savior because I'm a sinner. And I'm believing you today to make the difference in me. Jesus Christ, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change me from the inside out. Come fill me, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody says amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I just think we need to rejoice. Glory to God. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.